0: Hi listeners, Rachel here with an exciting announcement. We are holding a summer book club bingo game and there is a card that you can download, a bunch of prompts for different types of books that you can choose to read, to play the game along with us. All the instructions and information on how to sign up are at rachelthompson.co book club where you can get your card. And you'll also be able to enter your card to win prizes throughout the summer months. So that's from May to September, we'll be running this book club bingo. I hope you will sign up and uh, read some cool books and be inspired to do some more writerly reading this summer. So all the information is at racheltompson.co slash book club. What do editors want? It's a question that many creative writers have asked themselves or more likely muttered dejectedly after a frustrating rejection. I'm Rachel Thompson, author and literary magazine editor and your podcast host. The Love podcast grew out of my course by the same name, and I continue to seek out answers to this question of what editors want by going right to the source. I bring you interviews and insights about how to improve and publish your writing. My guests today for the Lip Mag Love podcast are Annalena Phillips-Bell and Rachel Taub of Ecotone. Ecotone's mission is to publish and promote the best place-based work being written today. Founded at the University of North Carolina, Wilmington in 2005, the award-winning magazine features writing and art that reimagine place, and their authors interpret this change expansively, as they put it on their website. And Ecotone is a transition zone between two adjacent ecological communities containing the characteristic species of each. It is therefore a place of danger or opportunity, a testing ground. So the magazine explores the ecotones between landscapes, literary genres, scientific and artistic disciplines, and modes of thought. And they are particularly interested in hearing from writers historically underrepresented in literary publishing and in place based contexts people of color, Indigenous people, people with disabilities, gender non conforming people, LGBTQIA, women, and others. And they welcome the work of emerging writers. So, as I mentioned, my guests today are Annalena Phillips Bell, who is the editor of Ecotone and Lookout Books. They also publish Lookout Books. And Rachel Taub is an MFA candidate in fiction at UMC Wilmington and managing editor at Ecotone. So, welcome to the Lit Mag Love podcast, Annalena Phillips Bell and Rachel Taub. Thank you. Thank you. So. Ecotone looks for submissions that reimagine place. And I'm wondering, what is it about the, as you put, a danger opportunity of the liminal space that generates such fertile writing in your books?
1: So the liminal space of an ecotone, right, is where different environments are meeting and intersecting. Um, And I think it's also the intersection of different ideas or themes or characters in writing that can make a piece of writing really interesting too. Um, You know, people will sometimes say that a good story has to be two things at once. And so like in the writing that we accept and publish, um, we want to see that conflict or that sort of unexpected cohesion, um, ways that different parts of a story can complicate each other.
2: It's also worth saying that we're all in one big liminal space right now, which is the space of living together on a planet that may soon become uninhabitable. Sorry to be all doomsday about it, but I think that one of Yitant's founding impulses was to find a way to publish writing that thinks about place and about environment in ways that don't fatigue people, that allow them to keep thinking about it. and so. I think a lot of our writers do a really fantastic job of acknowledging that kind of space that we're in and documenting it without kind of hitting people over the head with it.
0: Yeah, it's so important to talk about that exactly, like you said, and I'm, I'm wondering if you can tell me just a little bit more about the work that you love to publish in the journal, and maybe even actually in, in this question, I'd like to embed the idea of how you work, like how, how the magazine actually puts work together, too.
1: Sure. I guess so just to sort of start off with what we love to publish, um, we're thinking about place really broadly. I think sometimes when we say we're a journal of place-based writing, um, submitters might not know exactly what that means or not be sure if their writing fits our mission, but we're actually sort of looking for all different ways to interpret that that are broader than sort of like the traditional nature of writing. Um, and it could mean like different literal locations and sort of places that you don't read as much about, but also sort of environments that are social or maybe less physical in nature. We, we want to find writing that pushes our idea of what place-based writing can be.
2: Absolutely. And to speak a little bit to how we work, we were founded in 2005 by David Gessner as a, as a place for fresh new takes on Place-based writing, and I've been editor of the magazine since 2013. We've always had a teaching mission, so to teach both the craft of literary editing and also literary design, and so one of the big parts of my work is to work with our team of students and faculty to share with our students the craft of editing, Um, and we also have we also really value thinking hard about each piece that we accept and working closely with every writer and occasionally with a poem there'll be a poem that we just don't see any edits at all but more often than not there's at least a little copy edit and sometimes with poems more and definitely with prose we work very closely with the writers whose work we accept and those edits come from me and from others on our team and it's one of my favorite things about this work actually is thinking really hard with writers and other editors about the work to try to make it better
0: I like that because I think it's something that does come up a lot when I talk to editors on the on the podcast and just even in my own practice of editing with Room, there's really is something delightful about being able to roll up your sleeves with a writer and help them succeed at the vision that they had for the piece I like, can get closer to it. So I really appreciate hearing that. And then your mentorship model too resonates as well. So ecotone has been around for almost fifteen years. You're talking a bit about the history and, and and some of the mechanics and purpose behind the scenes. But what has changed about the work that you receive and the work that you've published over those 15 years? Maybe this one's for Annalena, I think.
2: Sure. So, Ecotone began with the mission to revivify what people thought of as nature writing, which, speaking frankly, had been pretty white and male and straight, and um, and also, I feel like the founding editors thought it started to feel a little bit tame, a little bit uninteresting, and so the idea was to make something that had a little more life in its veins and to make room for work that was experimental and interesting, and we have continued in that mission in recent years by thinking about whose voices we might be missing in the realm of writing from place, and that includes thinking about what place means in a broader way, to include questions of how like, place and identity intersect, and to think about, yeah, just like, who have we not heard from in this realm? Who could we really stand to hear from? And I think over time, in my time as editor, the more broad a range of writers' work we've published, the more work we start to see from different kinds of writers and different perspectives from different folks. And that makes me really happy. We still have more work to do in that realm. I feel like we always will, but, um, but it's a major focus of what we do when we think about reading submissions and about soliciting work.
1: Who have we not heard from, who we need to hear from on this subject? And I can also talk a little bit about ways that we're sort of expanding what we're doing. We just started um, the Jason Bradford, Shirley Niederman broadside series um, for which we're choosing two poems from each issue. And we're having a different designer work with us to turn those poems into beautiful broadsides that we can share at events or sell alongside the magazine um, and sort of right finding another way to share our writers work outside the actual pages of the magazine. We have a program called Teach Egotone, um, where teachers can get a sort of discounted rate for journals for their classroom and we're putting together sort of programs to help them teach the magazine and one of our editors can sort of Skype in and talk to the class and maybe the last thing is that we're about to start uh, publishing reviews on our websites of other literary magazines which is sort of right it's just one more way that we're trying to be literary citizens and engage outside the pages
0: of the paper magazine. Oh, nice. That's really exciting to hear about the reviews of, of Lip Mags, too. That's cool. Yeah. And I know, so you published themed issues, which I think is likely to you know, attract a bunch of different submissions from different audiences. Ones that I was checking out on your site were the body, migration, sustenance. What have been some of the more surprising interpretations on a theme that maybe took a, an issue in a direction that you hadn't expected?
2: Well, one example of that is um, Sometimes I have this experience of being at a reading and hearing something and really wanting it for the magazine, and then actually getting it. It's its not that often that that all lines up and happens, but it did happen in the case of Jill McCorkle's story, The Lineman, which we published in our craft issue. I heard her read it aloud at the Salani Writers Conference and fell in love with it. And I heard her read it another time at a different reading. And finally, it was just like, we need this story if it hasn't showed up somewhere else. And it's a story that, on the face of it, you might not think of as the lead story for an issue-themed craft, but one of the things I love about Jill's work is that at the sentence level, every one of her sentences is sharp and tough and smart and just so well made, and also the way that voice works in this particular story is so intensely good, I can hardly stand it. And so. That just made me really happy to be able to feature for the craft issue and that story went on to win the Stack Magazine Awards Best Original Fiction for 2018, so that was really fun. And I think it really sets the tone for an issue that ended up having a lot of different takes on craft and a lot of work whose lines and sentences was supremely well crafted, so that was super fun. Um, one more example is that in our most recent theme issue from fall 2018, we ran our first dance feature, which was on Rossi Herrera Dance Theater, which is a fabulous company that you should see if you can. And we worked with Rosie to publish images of dancers from the company in a new work called Tropical Depression, which ended up being more appropriate than we might have wished because we were closed for a month last fall when Hurricane Florence hit our coast and so (laughs) our cover, one of our cover lines says Rosie Herrera Dance Theater's Tropical Depression and we also felt like we were in a little bit of a tropical depression, but um, (laughs) those images of her dancers in this new work were so stunning and so fun and fun and sad and stunning and all at once. And I think that really helped to set the tone for the body issue and to open the issue up to some new ways of thinking about the body.
0: Love what you say about fun, sad, and stunning all at once. It's sort of all the best kind of art is is all of those things. (laughs) I noticed I was asking a bit about your themed issue because I also noticed your upcoming call for the love issue discourages cynical and gratuitous submissions. And as someone who's, you know, right on the nose with the Lit Mag Love podcast and unabashed about the love in, in this podcast for Lit Mags, I want to say I endorse that. But I also wonder if you think there's room for cynicism in your submissions and to the other issues in, in literature in general.
1: Yeah, um, thank you for asking about that. I am so excited about that themed issue. We've all sort of just started accepting pieces for it. Um, and when we put that in the call, we were sort of anticipating what we might receive. And I think there's been quite a lot of cynical writing on that particular theme. And when we have a themed issue, like Annalena said, we're looking right for something new on it and to expand that theme. But when you asked that question, I also thought of, I think maybe it was last year, ta Coates was asked in an interview um, about hope and providing hope for his readers. and when we put out the call, we're not asking writers like to be untrue to their beliefs or to be falsely optimistic, you know, writing that cynical or angry or or frustrated has its place and and we've published some of it. But for this particular themed issue, we're hoping to find work that sort of portrays or imagines something beyond that and pushes past cynicism. Thank you for that.
0: Yeah. And um, yeah, I just think it's it's really good that you're identifying, you know, that people can have all those complex Mm -hmm. feelings about stuff, but that there is a lot of writing already that's kind of cynical about love. What should writers expect when you accept a piece that they submit to Ecotone? You did speak already a bit about the way that you will do minor copy edits usually on poetry, which seems to be quite common when I speak with editors. It's often the poems are pretty fully formed when they come to us and then it's the stories that maybe need a bit more massaging, but how much massaging are you doing for writers and what could they expect from you if they work with you?
2: Well, it really does depend on the work. And I think It's true that for poems, mostly often it is more copy editing level stuff, but at the same time, every time I sit down to edit a poem, what would feel like a copy edit in prose can feel like a major developmental thing in a poem. You know what I mean? Like if you add a comma sometimes. It's a momentous event in a poem. And so, yes, it's true. <laughs> I mean, poetry is my favorite thing to edit. I'll just be honest about it. Prose writers, I love y'all. I love your sentences, but thinking about a poem in that context is so fun and it's because you get to give that same kind of developmental level attention to things like commas and articles and whether an enjambment is serving the logic of the poem and the syntax as well as, you know, the sound. So, with poetry it is often smaller, With prose, we definitely go through at least a couple rounds on every prose piece we publish. We fact check everything. Rachel coordinates our fact checking process. So that means that at every stage there's going to be some Often substantial stuff for the writer to think about, but we do try to make it a process that feels natural and as easy as possible. So, you know, bigger picture developmental stuff and then we'll bring in the fact checks and then we'll do a copy edit. Um, Each writer works primarily with one lead editor, whether that's me or someone else on our team. But as often as we can, given the limitations of time and space, we try to have another editor read behind that first editor to see if there's anything that might be worth adding or that that editor might have missed. And I rely on our team when I'm lead editor and I provide that for them when they are lead editor. So that the writer really has the benefit, not just of one editorial voice, but of a couple, even as they have one primary editorial relationship.
0: I love getting to that question because it really shows a writer, what kind of learning experience they're going to have with the publication as well. And that just sounds like a really thorough experience for a writer. So that's great.
2: It's really fun. It's really fun and it's the kind of, I try to make for writers the kind of experience I hope to get as a writer. You know, like to give as much attention without being um, intrusive on the work and really honoring the writer's intentions, but giving them as much support as we can. Um, And it's also worth saying that, along with its mission of offering really strong editing and teaching the craft of editing, Ikutan also has a mission to Be as gorgeous as we can. And um, that comes from way back from our first art director, Emily Smith, who was the art director until just last year, in fact. And the way the magazine looks is largely thanks to her really good thinking about design and to our students who design the opening spreads for each of our prose pieces. And there's a lot of work and thought that goes into those behind the scenes as well.
0: Nice, it is truly a beautiful magazine. How has considering these relationships with place been in your own writing? I wanna ask each of you about your own writing practices, how looking at things like the literary and the scientific, the personal and the biological, the urban and the rural, how has that influenced the way that you're, you are writing and, and thinking about writing? And I guess the bigger question to you would be, what has editing with Ecotone taught you about writing?
2: Such a good question. Um, So I loved this magazine before I became its editor, and I loved it in large part because its concerns are some of the primary concerns in my own writing. I think a lot about relation to place and in a current project I'm working on, I'm thinking about sort of species movement and how introduced species can affect plant communities in North America. And so a lot of the stuff of the magazine is also the stuff that circles around in my own head when I'm working on writing projects. And I would say that working on a magazine has only convince me that it's even more important to dig deep with those questions of place and to do the necessary research to really know what I'm talking about. I came to the magazine from editing for a science magazine. And so, I had done a lot of that kind of research-oriented work. And I can just say that it is a delight to do that in a literary context instead of in a primarily scientific context. And doing that really dovetails in a lovely way with my own concerns as a writer. Of course, the question of whether there's enough time for that to happen is another (laughs) subject. sometimes I succeed better than others at paying attention to my own work as well as to the magazine. I think that every editor who's also a writer probably has that experience of trying to figure out how to juggle all of it. But at least in terms of subject matter, there's a really nice confluence for me.
1: For me, I think before I was editing here, I was not thinking as deeply about setting. I was writing stories maybe that took place in sort of towns that didn't exist anywhere um and i am thinking about it all the time now because in the work that we publish and that the short stories that i've loved in ecotone um when setting can become a character right it's a lovely thing to read and now i want to do it also so in the novel that i'm working on there are two really distinct settings. The first half takes place in like sort of wooded upstate New York and the second half takes place in New York City. And so I'm thinking about not just sort of literally what the character can do differently and what she has access to, but sort of like the psychic influence of living in different kinds of places and making decisions as characters making decisions in different kinds of places. And I guess just sort of more generally as an editor it's made me think about what it means for somebody else who's reading hundreds of submissions on their computer screen just for how like my story could possibly stand out there yeah so it, it sort of helped me read as an editor and think about what keeps an editor's attention on the in the first read
0: oh yeah when you've read so many submissions you really start to see that you really have to stand out I also, I I like what you said, Annalena, about editors struggling to get to their own work and definitely can relate to that too. Is that something you found too, I guess, Rachel, now that you've started working on the editorial side as well, or are you in a program that's really pushing you to work on your novel?
1: Um, I think I do have a good balance with it, Um, though I've read submissions for ecotone i don't regularly now um i sort of get to read everybody's favorite pieces that we're considering most seriously um so that is actually sort of a lovely compliment to my writing because i get to read our favorites
2: i'll just add to that to say that I think that a big question for literary publishing right now, especially as it intersects with academia, is how is editorial labor valued? And how do we want to value it? Like, it's, it's a big goal of mine to make the process of working on Ecotone, a sustainable and enjoyable one for our student staff, as well as a learning experience. But I think for a lot of editors who do that work, for a living or even on a volunteer basis, the work is maybe not sustainable or it threatens to be not sustainable. And I think a lot of that is about how we value primary production versus editorial work. And I would be really happy to see that shift some. And I think that one of the ways that it will shift is probably by people talking more about how the editorial process works. So I'm thankful to you for asking us these questions and asking other editors these kinds of questions.
0: Thank you. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because one of the ideas that have been milling around and in fact in an ironic way we may not get to because of all the additional labor that we're doing but we've been thinking about talking about that you know like this passionate work that you do and how hard it is to kind of put together a creative life and and do the editorial work as well. So what transitional space do you think we're in right now with literary writing in America and and maybe globally too and what changes to the literary landscape do you find most exciting?
1: Sure, there are a couple of things I think of. The first is that there's so many more voices being published and sort of shared more broadly than there were before, and that sort of a lot of people are reading more broadly than they were before. There's sort of an awareness of intersections between literature and social justice and important to us environmental justice. Um, that is really exciting to see. Um, as an avid user of social media, I love using it as a means of discovering other writers. Um, That is something that, before I was in an MFA program, it helped me feel much more connected to the literary magazine world. And now that I'm in a sort of smaller town, it helps me feel connected to the literary world outside of it. Um, I've discovered tons of poets that I love that way. Another thing is, uh, I think there's more international reading happening in the U.S. I think we sort of sadly don't read enough in translation or things that are published outside of our bubbles. So I see more translations being published, like the National Book Awards just um, introduced a new award, particularly for translations. And so that we don't, we don't publish translations at Egotone, it's exciting to sort of see um, voices from different countries are being recognized and celebrated more here.
0: And Annalena? Oh, I think Rachel's got that one. That sounded <laughs> great to me. Well, I guess I'm wondering just for you, if there was any changes that you find exciting in the literary landscape, or if you just wholeheartedly endorse Rachel's response.
2: <laughs> I guess to that, I would just add, there are a lot of structures in the bigger world that affect literary publishing. And about some of those structures, I would like to say, tear them down. And I think some of that is happening in terms of patriarchal worldviews and sort of racial bias. I think a lot of really fantastic work is being done in activist circles to change things, and that is changing the writing world for the better. So, we'll see what happens, but I feel like there's a big sort of opening up of what people want to read and listening to what people want to read, and we are trying to answer that with Ecotone, and it feels easier to do it because of some of the other changes that are happening in the world. So more more room for everybody is what I want to say.
0: Nice. Well, at Room Magazine, we're really down with that. So that's nice.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I love Room, by the way. It's fantastic. Oh,
0: so I want to just wrap up with you and it's been lovely having you here on the podcast, but is there one thing that writers you think who are considering submitting to the journal that they should definitely know, but maybe do not based on what you're seeing in submissions about the submissions to Ecotone before they send you their work?
1: Um, I think one thing writers may not know is that we're, like, we're looking for them. Um, yes. We want to find the submissions to say yes to, right? Sometimes it can sort of feel like, there's a big separation between editors and writers. And I think, right, like your podcast helps bridge that gap. Um, We sort of think of it as letting the writing back out into the world to find a better home for it. And we notice when writers are submitting three or four times and they're getting closer and we'll write to them if they're getting closer and we really want to see more from them. um, Like We're rooting for the people who are submitting to us.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And to that, I would add that Sometimes writers will say to me, well, I, I really like Ecotone, and I'd like to submit, but I don't think of myself as a writer of place. And I think it's important to know that you don't have to think of yourself that way to send work to us and what we want to see is work that engages with place in interesting ways, but they can be subtle ways. It doesn't have to be huge and big. Um, so that's another thing. And then I'll just mention a couple things that we are always wanting to see more of. Um, One of those is poetry that inhabits meter and form in really fresh and interesting ways, specifically non-iambic meters. We like to see more of that. And, you know, I would say, and we want to see more free verse too, but we see a ton of that. So I, I like it when something comes in that's doing something different with those old forms and strategies. And we also really like to see work that Shows its effort in terms of research and that talks to us about various of the sciences in interesting ways It takes a lot more work sometimes, but it pays off. And then one more thing to say is that if you've never published anything before, if you're, you know, hoping to be a debut writer, we really like to see work from folks whose work hasn't appeared anywhere yet. So don't be shy. Aim high, as I tell my students
0: beautiful yeah and it just does sound like such a lovely experience it would be such a great experience for a writer to publish the first time and have that kind of hands-on work with not just one editor but someone else backing them up and and really getting a thorough review and getting the best piece out so thank you for doing that great work and thank you for sharing your lit mag love with us today well thank you so much for having us yeah thank you so my impression from my interview with rachel Taub and annalena phillips bell of ecotone Is that it is a wonderful experience particularly for emerging writers who want to get a lot of feedback someone to roll up their sleeves with them and really bring the work home work that's almost there but help to really craft it and make it as successful as possible and you get not just one editor but another editor who's backing that editor up looking closely at your work and what a gift and I think it's also important to note that they don't want you to count yourself out before you even submit. So to aim high for a journal like Ecotone and and send your work there. And also don't be disconcerted by the overarching theme of Ecotone, the fact that it deals with these place-based pieces, because your piece may relate somehow to place, even in a subtle way that would still resonate with the journal. It seems to me that they're a magazine that's doing fantastic work in terms of being great literary citizens and thinking about how to continue to let the literary industry evolve and push that evolution and revolution really within the literary industry. So definitely send your work there. I would encourage you to do so and I think you'd be in good hands to be accepted there. Lit Mag Love is co-presented by Room Magazine, literature, art, and feminism since 1975, and the Lit Mag Love course, an online course to get smart, fearless, and published with lots of help from me. Sound editing for the episode is done by Micah Lemiski, and I'm your host, Rachel Thompson. If you want to give us some love in the form of a review wherever you get your podcast, we would love that, and it really helps other writers discover the podcast. You can find us online at litmaglovepodcast.com or on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at litmaglove. Thanks for writing and reading literature, and thanks for listening to Litmag Love. Join our game of book club bingo this summer. Learn more and sign up at rachelthompson.co slash book club.